Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey y'all, so today we are going to head down to Mississippi and explore a place that's gotten a lot of attention over the years for being the most haunted house in the state. It's one of those places that's been on TV a bit, yes, even that one reality show, but before we dive in, I've just got a couple of announcements. First, as I've mentioned several times before, on August 19th through 20th, I'm going to be at the Dark History and Horror Convention at the iHotel and Conference Center in Champaign, Illinois. I'm going to have a booth with some t-shirts, some mugs, and even some free stickers. Then, the following weekend, I'll be down in Dallas, Texas at the True Crime Podcast Festival. So, if you're interested in coming to one of these events and saying hi, I would love to meet you. I went ahead and put links for both of these in the show notes. Now, second, with all those shows being over with and the summer ending and everything... We've got a little bit of time that's opened up over here at Southern Gothic Media. And so I wanted to talk about something that I've never brought up on the show before, but thought, why not? So if any of y'all are podcasters yourselves and you're looking for technical assistance with your productions, whether that be editing audio, sound design and mixing, or even consulting on best practices when it comes to independent marketing, we would love to chat with you to see if we can help. This is something that I regularly do for organizations and small businesses alike, and it's actually a key part of our business. But most of the clients that I serve aren't necessarily in the same genre as Southern Gothic, right? Or even independent for that matter, and don't have the same passion or goals that a lot of us independent podcasters have. So I wanted to offer some of my time to help folks with similar interests to grow their show and up their game. 
I've spent my entire career in professional audio, and it's always been most fulfilling when I'm working with people I enjoy on projects I love. So if that's you, whether you podcast about ghost stuff, history, true crime, self-help, whether you do interviews or scripted narratives, whatever, if you are passionate about it and you're ready to invest in reaching your next goal with a professional, then let's chat and see if maybe we can help you get where you want to be. So please reach out, head over to southerngothicmedia.com and you can contact me from there. So with that, why don't we just go ahead and head on down the old Mississippi River to Vicksburg, where we're going to explore the haunted history of the McRaven House, which actually even predates this city. Now, although Vicksburg itself was founded in 1811, the French were actually the first to settle in the area in 1719, when they built a trading post on the Mississippi River named Fort St. Pierre, just 10 miles north of where downtown sits today. This fort didn't last, but for about 10 years due to hostility with local native people. But when the Spanish gained possession of the area following the American Revolution, they realized the strategic importance of this bend in the river and built Fort Nogales. Then, in 1798, the fledgling United States acquired Mississippi from Spain, and in 1814, the city of Vicksburg was founded by a Virginia-born Methodist preacher named Newitt Vick. Vick had about 1,200 acres of land that he had purchased from a man named Anthony Glass, but unfortunately, he and his wife died of yellow fever before they could even see the town incorporated. But his planning was successful, and Vicksburg became a major port and commercial center that was, quote, one of the best-known American cities of the 19th century. Not only was it a bustling port, but it was a major stop for riverboats and home to numerous luxurious mansions and hotels. Today, Vicksburg's legacy is not for luxury. Rather, it is known as the place where a decisive U.S. Army victory helped change the course of the American Civil War, leaving scars here that may not have ever healed. And of those places that some believe continue to be haunted by this troubled past, one stands out from the rest. The McRaven House, a beautiful, two-story antebellum mansion that has claimed the title Most Haunted House in Mississippi. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police like <laughs> she should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. The McRaven House of Vicksburg, Mississippi, has earned a national reputation for the extreme paranormal activity that purportedly occurs there, boasting a number of unexplainable phenomena that many believe are a result of the mansion's long and tragic history. As it stands today, the house was constructed in several phases, and in many ways, it seems that with each of these expansions, it not only gained additional real estate, but also lore to be handed down from generation to generation. Andrew Glass started construction on what is now called the Pioneer section of the home in 1797, before Mississippi was even part of the United States. This initial building was nothing more than a two-room brick structure plastered with blueberry and buttermilk. Although it was multi-level, with the kitchen on the bottom floor and a simple bedroom above, accessible by a removable ladder. Of course, some say that Andrew Glass's reason for building here was not simply for the view. Rather, his intentions were quite nefarious. The property was ideally situated as a stopping point or way station along the Natchez Trace, a trail used by settlers to travel between Natchez, Mississippi and Nashville, Tennessee. Glass, however, wasn't there to help these travelers on their journey. He was there to steal from them. It's said that he and his brother were highwaymen who may have run with the infamous Merle Gang, a group of bandits who robbed folks up and down the trace. So this two-room home was less a home and more of a safe house, as they could prey on travelers in the nearby French territory, then cross back into Spanish to evade capture. Even the design of the property itself was said to have lent to Glass's notorious profession, for after climbing up into the bedroom, the ladder could be raised and protect him from ambush. But as is said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword and the fate of Andrew Glass was ultimately not a kind one. 
According to legend, one day, while out robbing travelers on the Natchez Trace with his men, their plan went horribly wrong. Glass was severely injured, and the violence from the raid had made such a ruckus that French military men nearby had been drawn towards them. Glass knew the situation was dire, and there was no way he could make it home in time. So in order to spare himself from torture and death at the hands of the French, he convinced his wife that she had to kill him. But in doing so, this horrific act would have to be silent so as not to alert the men to their location. So Andrew Glass's wife took a knife and slit her husband's throat. Now, some variations of this tale, particularly those presented on television in recent years, do claim that his demise was slightly different. They say that while Andrew Glass was killed by his wife, his death was not a merciful one. Instead, she jealously took a knife to his throat in an act of revenge for infidelity. Whether this is truly what happened or is merely a modern embellishment to the legend is unknown. But what is known is that the highwayman's death was the beginning of the hauntings at McRaven House, specifically those experienced by owners and visitors who claim to encounter extremely negative energy in the mansion's pioneer section. Leyland French, a one-time owner of the property, is said to have had some violent physical encounters with this very spirit claiming to have at one time been shoved to the ground so fiercely, he ended up having to get stitches. These encounters grew more and more frequent over time, and eventually, he decided to have something done about it. In 1999, French told 48 Hours correspondent Susan Spencer, quote, I thought I heard something on the landing right there, and that drawer slammed on my thumbs. And that's when I called people in New Orleans and had the place exercised. Of course, whether or not this malevolent spirit is actually glass will never be known. After all, he was only the first of many to reside here at the McRaven House. The second expansion of the home came in 1836 under the ownership of local sheriff Stephen Howard. This was a relatively simple construction in the federal architectural style of the time, featuring fine detailed work. Upon completion, it included a two-story covered porch, a first-floor dining room, and a formal staircase to the second floor where a new bedroom had been added. All of this was done for Howard's growing family, as his young wife Mary Elizabeth was expecting their first child. Unfortunately, the expanded house never became the family home that the sheriff had hoped it would be. In late August of 1836, Mary Elizabeth gave birth to a young girl in the new bedroom that her husband had built for her. But tragically, she did not survive labor. Howard was devastated by the loss, so he immediately had sold the home that he so lovingly built and took his newborn north to start a new life in Yazoo City. Many believe that Mary Elizabeth's spirit 
still walks the halls of the McRaven house to this very day. And they say that the bedroom where she died is a hot spot for paranormal activity. Not only do the lights purportedly turn on and off at will, but the young mother's apparition has appeared to numerous visitors, sometimes in the bedroom itself and others in the dining room below. Over the years, folks who work there say that Mary Elizabeth enjoys entertaining visitors to the property, and perhaps unsurprisingly, she has a particular fondness for young children and their mothers, often pulling them away from a tour with the enticement of playtime. As to why her spirit has stayed, it's believed that since her husband, Stephen Howard, took their daughter and moved away so soon after her death, she's now trapped at McRaven in search of her baby. Others believe that her attachment to the property is more closely tied to items she had that remain in the house to this very day. It is said that several of her things were actually located when an early researcher of the history of the home attempted to make contact with her daughter. After speaking with the local librarian, the researcher was pointed in the right direction, but upon arriving at the designated home, it was too late. She had passed away not long before. Although the woman was not there, her friend was, and the researcher was told that before the woman had passed away, she gave instructions to her friend that when he arrived, he was to be shown the contents of several trunks. As a result, some of these items, presumably Mary Elizabeth's possessions, are now on display in the bedroom where she died, including a canvas-covered trunk, her wedding shawl, an opera glass, white gloves, a makeup kit, and a silver brush. The third and final expansion to the home was done by John H. Bob, a prominent brick manufacturer and sawmill owner. Bob purchased the property in 1844 and his addition included a parlor, a master bedroom, a gentleman's dressing room, a flying wing staircase, and a new front facade done in the Greek Revival style of architecture, although this was later replaced by a more Italianate facade with the inclusion of what is called Vicksburg Columns. The design of these columns are unique to the area because the support beam is not a single solid piece, but instead has a decorative open split in the middle. Life in the home of the Bob family would likely have been considered somewhat normal for the era, that is, until 1863, when the Civil War arrived in Vicksburg, and quite literally, at the doorstep of the home. Vicksburg was crucial to the Confederacy, because it was the last remaining southern stronghold on the Mississippi River. But in May of 1863, after repelling two assaults, the city was surrounded by federal forces. So the U.S. Army began to dig in, constructing elaborate entrenchment ditches that moved closer and closer to the Confederate fortifications. Meanwhile, the Mississippi River had become filled with United States gunboats, so the citizens of Vicksburg were trapped. Of course, the United States troops weren't the only ones to dig ditches with the expectations of an upcoming conflict. And unfortunately for John Bob, 
His home, situated near high-target railroad tracks, was located in the middle of the action. So in an effort to prevent the Federals from entering the town by rail, Confederate troops dug into the wooded areas surrounding the Bob House. It was from these T-shaped trenches, dug roughly six feet deep, that Confederate soldiers fired upon U.S. troops advancing toward the city along the railroad. And this meant McRaven was caught between the lines, and as a result, was bombarded by blasts coming from both directions. And to make matters worse, the house became a makeshift hospital for the Confederate wounded, and it's said that the number of men who died in the home over the course of the 40-day siege reached approximately 28. At the end of it all, the house had sustained a severe amount of damage from cannon and rifle fire. The parlor alone had over 120 bullet holes, and upon General Grant taking command of the city, federal forces set up headquarters in the Balfour House, not far from the Bobs. But it was during this time perhaps the most infamous incident of the McRaven's past occurred. On May 18, 1864, John Bob was walking his property with his nephew, Austin Mattingly, when he noticed a group of about six United States soldiers picking flowers out of his garden soldiers who were quite likely drunk. Outraged by the sight, Bob ordered the men to leave, but they refused. Unsurprisingly, this only angered the Southerner even more, so a fight ensued which included Bob chucking a brick into the group of men, knocking one of the sergeants to the ground. So the soldiers gathered their bleeding comrade and left, but not until vowing that they would return for vengeance. So either later that day or the next, John Bob and his nephew went to report these men's behavior to their commander, General Henry W. Slocum, who listened but responded quite dismissively that he'd admonish the men responsible. But that is not what happened. When Bob got home, he and Austin found a group of about 25 federal soldiers waiting for them on the property. The soldiers had kept their promise. John Bob and Austin Mattingly were taken out to Stout's Bayou, roughly a hundred yards away from the house, where they were shot at. John Bob was fatally hit in the back and face, but somehow in the confusion, Mattingly managed to escape. Although when he emerged from the wooded area, it's said that bullet holes were discovered in his clothes. The murder of John H. Bob is the first recorded instance of violence by the occupying federal troops upon the citizens of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Though decrying the violent act, General Slocum ultimately faulted Bob for the confrontation, and the offending troops were never punished. One element of the event that is almost always left out of the retellings was recorded by the Vicksburg Herald newspaper that this group of men were part of the United States Colored Troops. Now, there is an unsurprising and heavy bias in the account, which paints John Bob as a, quote, peaceable and unoffending citizen 
who was, quote, cursed, abused, and insulted before being promised protection from federal commanders, only to be murdered by vengeful men. In spite of this tragedy, John Bob's widow remained in the family home until 1869. As one would expect, it's unsurprising that there are modern stories of the apparitions of Confederate soldiers on and around the McGraven property. Some believe that these accounts give credence to the belief that some of the men who died at the home were also buried on the property. Yet no remains have ever been discovered to validate such a story. Nevertheless, sightings persist. One particularly notable sighting included a group of costumed reenactors. One evening, as they sat beside a campfire on the McRaven property, they were joined by a dirty, unknown soldier dressed in a blue Civil War uniform. The man said nothing as he sat there with him by the fire, drinking a cup of coffee. Eerily, he then stood up and disappeared as he stepped away. John Bob's apparition has also reportedly been seen. It appears that he continues to walk his property over a century and a half after his death, and it is said that his apparition can sometimes be seen peeking into first-floor windows. Eerily, though, modern stories of ghostly visitors are not the only ones to be reported. The earliest documented claim that the McRaven house is haunted dates back to July 22, 1864, when Vicksburg was still a city under occupation. On that day, the Vicksburg Daily Herald published an article titled, Are There Ghosts in Vicksburg? A Haunted House? A Midnight Apparition? The article tells the story of an occupying federal officer who's awoken from his slumber at midnight only to discover the apparition of a Confederate soldier at the foot of his bed. He said, quote, it was tall, gaunt, and hungry looking, with the appearance of mutilation near one eye. Of course, later embellishments of the tale would say the apparition was also bloody and dripping wet. But what was most notable about the report was that the federal officer claimed to recognize the man. He was the spirit of a former Confederate soldier who had defected to the United States Army during the siege of Vicksburg. Once the officer confirmed his identity, the soldier vanished. The article continues on and claims that others have observed similar strange occurrences, including unexplained noises in the early hours of the morning. Yet the article does not connect this event with the McRaven house. In fact, it refuses to provide any identifying information the whereabouts of the sighting, stating, quote, We, for prudential reasons, withhold the name of the individuals to this singular occurrence and shall not at present divulge the precise location of the haunted house, preferring to await further developments if any should appear to throw light on the mysterious affair. Later research linked these events to Federal Officer Major General James Harrison Wilson, 
Wilson and other occupying officers did in fact have a Confederate defector in their employment, and after Vicksburg fell to the United States, the man served as something of a liaison between Federal occupying forces and the citizens of the city. And unsurprisingly, this man was not well liked for his abandonment of the Confederate cause. Then, one night, he failed to report in following his usual rounds, and the legend says that it was only a few weeks later that the apparition appeared. Some even say that a spirit had a purpose on that evening, it was to inform the Major General that he had been murdered and his body thrown into the Yazoo River. It's said that the following day, Wilson acted on this information, and the man's remains were located exactly where he said they would be, having washed up onto the riverbank. What's intriguing about this tale is that although it is traditionally associated with the McRaven house, we haven't thus far found anything that actually provides evidence that federal officers, much less Major General Wilson, ever stayed in the house. It is possible, though, that this occurred at a different property, a mansion built by another member of the Bob family, the nearby Balfour house. John Bob's brother, William, actually built the Balfour home, which was used as a headquarters for the federal forces in the city. So it's entirely possible that over the years, this brotherly connection has caused tales to migrate location, or possibly even spirits. Now, the legacy of the McRaven House certainly doesn't end with the Civil War, as it spent another century serving as the home for a local family, a family that may purportedly still be there as well. We'll explore some of these legends and more after the break. Y'all, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations here in Middle Tennessee. It's called Poster Nashville. Now, this organization supports people during times of housing or medical crises by providing compassionate, temporary care for their pets. That's right. Poster helps secure loving homes for beloved little furballs when their human companions are going through things that might otherwise cause them to have to give them up. But since Poster began back in 2020, they've been able to reunite nearly 250 pets with their loving pet parents after they were able to secure housing, keeping families together through tough times. Of course, y'all, I have to say from personal experience, it's been an awesome program to be around. My kids and I have been fortunate enough to hang out with some of the pups. And trust me, what Poster is doing through a devoted network of volunteers is absolutely heartwarming. So if you'd like to help, Poster is in the middle of their annual fundraiser right now, trying to hit a goal of $20,000. And it would mean the world to me if you'd consider helping us get there. All you got to do is visit southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. That's right, southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. 
I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. While the history of the McRaven House is filled with tragedy and violence, from the property's earliest days as a supposed hideout for Andrew Glass, to the collateral damage it experienced during the Siege of Vicksburg, the life of the home as a place for families did go on for several more decades, before finally becoming the tourist destination that it is today. In 1882, the house was sold to William Murray, he and his wife, Ellen Flynn, raised their family of nine there, including four daughters and three sons. Unlike previous owners, this family was not necessarily met with too much hardship. However, various family members did pass away in the house. First was William Murray himself in 1911, followed by his wife, Ellen, 10 years later in 1921. Their adult daughter, Ida, also died there in 1946, and their son Murray in 1950. Following the son's death, McRaven was occupied solely by William's unmarried daughters, Annie and Ella Murray. Together, the women lived in the house completely cut off from the outside world, with the single exception of their doctor. Additionally, they made no effort to update the property with modern conveniences like electricity, aside from a telephone. The women were said to have hoarding tendencies, and as a result, their entire world consisted only of the home's dining room. Then, in 1960, Ella died at the age of 81, and Annie sold the house and moved into a nursing home. By this time, however, the property, set back somewhat from the street, was so overgrown that many who were unfamiliar to the area didn't even realize that there was a house on the property at all. As for the building itself, the upper story was completely overrun with vines, and the inside was left in a truly chaotic state. Being in the family for as long as it was, it's no surprise that many believe that members of the Murray family remain in the home to this very day. Leyland French reportedly saw the apparition of William Murray on the staircase, and it's said that the spirits of Ella and Annie Murray also continue to roam the grounds. Some even claim that you can hear the disembodied sounds of ladies conversing in the dining room, or the melodies of a spectral piano coming from the parlor. The most unnerving paranormal remnant of the family, though, is the smell 
that sometimes floats through the air of the parlor. A pungent, rotten stench that is associated with the late state senator, Harry Murray. Legend says that this parlor served as the staging area for the funeral of the man. But the two women were so reclusive that they didn't have the remains seen to or properly buried. So his body sat there for so long that it began to rot in the days following the service. Over the course of two centuries, the home that is now McRaven House has been expanded twice, survived a war, housed multiple families, and hosted innumerable visitors. Largely unchanged since the additions were constructed, thanks to the reclusive Murray sisters, each section of the McRaven House, the Pioneer, Empire, and Greek Revival, all remain fantastic examples of the architecture and lifestyle of the time that they were constructed. This feat is so unique that in 1963, National Geographic magazine did a feature on the McRaven House, calling it a quote, time capsule of the South. Thus, owners of the property have since enjoyed marketing the home with this title. But while the architecture has been unchanged through the centuries, some of the elements of its history that are told there may not be quite what they seem, particularly the legacy surrounding the pioneer section. Local lore suggests that Andrew Glass was a violent highwayman. However, there really is no documentary evidence that the man ever acted as such. On the other hand, there is evidence that he was actually a wealthy, well-known, and respected member of the community. And to add yet another twist to the tale, it might not have even been Andrew who built the place, but rather his brother Anthony. Anthony Glass worked as a carpenter in the area, and according to records, it was he who owned the land where the home was constructed. He then used it to become a planter, as well as a producer and shipper of agricultural goods, in addition to owning and operating a mill. Both Anthony and Andrew grew sizable fortunes for the time. Andrew even grew so wealthy that he became one of the first citizens of Vicksburg to pay a luxury tax. And the man, who is now a purported highwayman, became the sheriff of Warren County around 1822, a far cry from the lawless, murderous bandit that the stories make him out to be. Clearly, over the centuries, these brothers' legacy have become merged into one. Yet the idea persists, and the story continues to be told, in spite of easily obtainable documents that prove otherwise. That being said, there may be a reason why the Merle Gang was associated with the history of the McRaven House and its occupants. It's just that the link is not the Glass Brothers. Legend says that Sheriff Stephen Howard purchased McRaven in 1836 and built additional rooms to house his growing family. Oddly, though, there's no record of Howard actually purchasing the house. In fact, the detailed report on its history 
made for the National Register of Historic Places, completely omits Stephen Howard from the timeline altogether. Additions to the property were made around this time, but exactly who made them is unknown. Although, it does say that William Bob purchased it from Anthony Glass in 1837. Bob owned it until 1844, and then sold it to his brother, John H. Bob, the man who had that infamous confrontation with the federal soldiers. So where does Stephen Howard come in? Especially since it is known that his wife Mary Elizabeth died there from complications of childbirth. All that can be offered is a theory. Might the Howard family have lived in the home without actually owning it? Of course, this also opens the door to the Merle connection, as Sheriff Howard became directly involved in what is now remembered as the Merle Excitement in 1835, a plot to incite a slave rebellion in all of the existing slave states. Rumor of the plot spread across the South, and tensions were high in Vicksburg that visiting professional gamblers were part of it. When these gamblers resisted arrest, they were hanged by a mob. Exactly what role Howard played in the event is unclear, but as sheriff, he was directly involved. So how does this all add up to the legend we hear today at the McGraven House? We don't know and can only speculate based on historical documents. In 1961, after a year of renovation work, the McRaven House was opened to the public for the first time. Roughly a year later, the house changed hands and more extensive restoration was done. Master woodworkers and contractors were brought in to repair everything that needed it. Ceiling medallions were repaired, the front and rear porches rebuilt, and the attic rafters damaged by shelling during the Civil War were finally addressed a century later. Extensive effort was also made to research the authentic wallpaper, paint, furnishings, fabrics, and floorings that all would have been in the home during the periods when each of the three sections were constructed. And when the work was finally completed, the house was reopened for visitors. Today, with the exception of modern amenities like electricity and a kitchen and a bathroom in the basement, which was added in the 1980s, the house remains a time capsule of what it looked like throughout the last two centuries and serves as one of the most complete and well-preserved homes in Vicksburg from the antebellum era. Of course, if the legends are true, the McRaven House may just be most haunted home in Mississippi. And people visit regularly for paranormal investigations and ghost tours, hoping to come in contact with one of the numerous spirits who purportedly continue to live here, giving an entirely new meaning to the mansion's designation as a time capsule of the South. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic.
Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Chexnider with the support of listeners like you. This month, we'd like to thank our most recent Patreon supporters, Kenneth Samples, David Archer, Crystal Lawson, Sam Farrell, and Michaela Black. If you're interested in joining us and receiving additional content, including ad-free episodes, head on over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Little Shacks. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. My name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast.